Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning. Oh, it's working. It's definitely working. Um, I'm super excited to, to be here, to have the opportunity to, to speak to you this morning. So I hope you're going to be super excited too. And uh, the subject we're going to look at is the church, the followers of Jesus as army. The church, the followers of Jesus uh, as army. And as Ron said um, a few moments ago, look, whatever, whatever situation you're in when you come here this morning, whether you're sort of just clinging on to life by your fingertips because times are tough or, or, or whether life is good at the moment, you know, I just really hope that what I've got to, to talk about you'll find helpful and it'll just help contribute. Whether it reminds you of something you already know, whether it's something, just a fresh perspective, whatever, that I really hope it'll, it'll be meaningful and, and helpful to you. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be sitting down here afterwards, so if there's anything uh, I say or talk about that you want to come and have a chat about, you know, please do, please do, because it's good that we wrestle with these things, and uh, nobody, least of all me, has a monopoly on wisdom. Um, just, you know, ask Jane about that if you're in any doubt. Um, frankly, she's amazed I'm allowed to get up and talk to you, but um, let's see where we go over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, okay, now the first thing is this, the followers of Jesus as army. Jesus was effective in everything that he did. And there's one overriding factor that drove that effectiveness, and that was that he was effective in the spiritual realm. He was effective in the spiritual realm. And we as followers of Jesus, we also need to be effective in the spiritual realm. And one of the reasons, or the reason that Jesus was effective in the spiritual realm is this. He acted in authority. And it was an authority that was given to him. It was an authority that was given to him by his Father in heaven. It was given to him. And it was an authority that was recognized in the spiritual realm. There is no point in having authority if it is not recognized. It was given to him and it was recognized. More of that later. So I'm going to read from Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. So this is Paul, as many of you will know one of the founders of many of the early churches shortly after Jesus had died. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, which you can still go and find on the west coast of modern-day Turkey if you're interested. Um, so he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And there may be a version on the screen. It's probably going to be the NIV version, and I'm going to read from a slightly different version. So the fun thing is you can spot the difference, okay? Um, it's good to have different perspectives. They help our learning. So here we go. Are you ready? Excellent. On the edge of your seats. In the bit I'm going to read from, it's entitled, Your Spiritual Armour. Above all, be strong in your faith and dependence on the Lord, on his might and power. He has provided his protection for you in several ways. Clothed with his gifts and resources, you will be able to stand against all the devil's disruptive tactics. Just an interjection from me here. There is nothing to fear about this stuff. 
When you hear people like me or others talking about spiritual warfare, about acting in the spiritual realm, it's a promise. There is nothing to fear in this. We just have to understand and be equipped. So closed with his gifts and resources, you will be able to stand against all the devil's disruptive tactics. Your battle is not against people, but against the negative spiritual forces that influence and control them. Against the spiritual rulers, authorities, and powers that are at work in this world that are in bondage to the darkness of sin. They are in league with those evil spiritual forces that exist outside the world. So accept everything God has made available to you to enable you to stand steadfast when the evil attacks. Yes, no matter what happens, you are able to stand firm and remain standing. Second promise, nothing to fear. You will be equipped to stand firm. So you stand firm with his truth like a belt you keep around your waist for support. His righteousness is like a breastplate that protects you. You wear the shoes of the gospel so that you are always ready for any eventuality and can walk in peace. Your faith is like a shield that you have to hold, take hold of and that enables you to overcome anything the devil throws at you. The assurance of your salvation is like a protective helmet enabling you to counter all the devil's lies and efforts to deceive you in your thinking. You have not only a defensive shield, but an offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word, that which I am reading to you now. Whenever you pray, depend on the Spirit to lead you and fill your prayer with his life and power, no matter what you are asking of God, how important it is to pray in the Spirit continually for all your fellow Believers. Three observations about that passage that I've read to you. Three observations for you to think about. The first one is this. There is a battle to be fought. There is a fight to be fought. But it is not against other people. It is not against other people. You will come across people who quite enjoy fighting other people. I'm sure you have already. And if you don't, you will meet them soon. There are other people that quite like opposing other people. I have to say, you do sometimes come across people who would identify themselves as Christians that quite like opposing other people. Apparently it has happened before. But our call, our call from God is not to oppose other people. First point. Second point. Yes, the fight to be fought is a spiritual fight. It is a spiritual fight. Hate and bigotry and prejudice and oppression and sickness and violence, these are not things from God. These are things that come from the forces in the spiritual realm that are seeking to oppose God. That is where our fight is. Against the spirit that invades people and then drives their behavior and their attitudes, and the consequences of their attitudes. So there is a fight, but it is a spiritual one. Third observation for you. Please note, there is no armor described for your back. There is nothing for your back. And that is because the kingdom of God advances, and it advances forcefully. 
And when we cannot advance because circumstances are, circumstances are such, we are called to stand. To stand. That is God's will for us. Nothing for the back. We advance, and when we can't, we stand. Let's go back to this thing about authority. I talked about Jesus. A thing about how authority works. I think a very important principle for us to grasp is this. Authority directs power. Authority directs power. So what might this look like? Out there is the 316. Six lane and parts, highway, motorway, whatever. Imagine there is a 38-ton truck coming down the 316. That is a powerful force. That is a powerful force. And then on their first day at work, a police constable, clothed in the uniform of a police officer, therefore with an authority that is given to them and an authority that is recognized by everybody, steps out into the road, into the middle of the 316, and simply does this. And that truck comes to a halt. And that is because that police officer has an authority which is given to them, which is recognized and exercised. The authority directs the power. Very important because we have been given an authority and it is recognized in the spiritual realm. Which is why when Jesus spoke, evil spirits had to leave his presence. When he spoke against sickness, blind people received sight, cripples were able to walk. And if you remember the passage of the immensely disturbed man mental health issues, emotional issues, foaming at the mouth, where the villagers had put chains on him to restrain him, and Jesus commanded the spirit to leave, and it left. And that man simply sat quiet at the feet of Jesus. We have an authority. It is recognized, and we need to exercise it. So what I just want to do is look at a situation when that authority was not exercised and what happened. And then when it was exercised and what it looked like. So, I'm going to take you back to a passage that I'm sure just about everybody here knows. Very familiar to you. I'm going to read one verse from the third book of Genesis. Eve is in the Garden of Eden. Up until the point where we meet this uh, event, Eve, I think it is likely, has had no reason whatsoever ever to doubt that God is for her, that God is good, and she is enjoying a perfect relationship with God. She is going about her normal daily activity. And then this happens. One verse. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, my emphasis clearly, uh, I wasn't there, 
did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The thing about this is Eve is going about her normal daily business. And then there is an external intervention in her life. Watch out for those. You are going about your normal daily life and then you get hit with an external intervention. Whether you are looking for it or not, it happens. Eve had an external intervention and it came in the form of a spirit that was working against the will of God and that spirit did two things. It introduced doubt and it introduced fear. And then Eve made the first of two big mistakes. Firstly, she decided to embrace that conversation. Maybe God's keeping things from me. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe, you know, I could be equal with God. She embraced the conversation. And then secondly, she made a crucial decision. She decided that she would self-direct herself through this conversation. She would self-direct. If there's one thing I would leave you to think about, it is this. If you come across a spiritual problem, it has to have a spiritual solution. If you try and deploy human resources, no matter how smart you are, no matter how passionate you are, no matter how strong your will, if you try and deploy human resources against a spiritual problem, you will not overcome. And you will most certainly put yourself in a place of vulnerability. A spiritual problem has a spiritual solution. And then it was that Eve, as I say, decided to self-direct herself self-direct herself through the conversation. If you don't know the end of the story, it didn't end well. Now I want to take you to another person. If ever you ask me a question like, Guy, do you have any heroes in life? Make sure you have plenty of time available, because it will be a long conversation. I'll enjoy it. I have lots of heroes from different ages, all different walks of life. And I want you to introduce you to one. Where I am indebted to a man many, many years ago who introduced me to a man called Hezekiah. You can read about him. I first met him in the chapters of two kings in Isaiah and in two chronicles. You can go and read it in your own time. What a remarkable man Hezekiah was. Age 25... He became king of Israel, and he inherited a shambles. The people of Israel were not behaving very well. You can go and have a look at the descriptions yourself. They were not on it. They were living their lives, worshipping false idols, investing their time and energies in stuff that had nothing to do with God, and therefore the consequences for how they were living were not good. 
On top of that, shortly after he arrived in the exalted position of king, he found himself in Jerusalem with his people and surrounded by an enormous army led by a guy called Sennacherib, who kept sending him letters telling him precisely what he was going to do to Hezekiah and everybody inside the walls of Jerusalem. And it didn't look pretty. External intervention. Man with army, much bigger than mine, arrives. What does Hezekiah do? This is in 2 Kings, chapter 18, verse 3. Hezekiah, well, for a start, my version of events, because I have imagined, what would have happened, guy, if you were king, 25 years old? What would you have done, you know, just in those idle moments when I'm daydreaming? Sadly, my conclusion is I would not have done what this guy's done. Maybe I would have called out the army. Maybe I would have got them training. Maybe I've got the SAS in or whatever the equivalent. Maybe I would have got the smartest people to try and work out what to do. Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. What that means is he got all the stuff in his own life and in his people's lives that was taking them away from God, the stuff they were looking at, the stuff they were reading, the people they spent time with, the ways they invested their time and energy, and he cleared it all out. From Ephesians, that's called living righteously. Living righteously is simply getting God to direct your life and seeking to live the way he wants you to live. And do you know what? The scripture is very clear because it's in that book and in Ephesians. If you live righteously, the spiritual forces that oppose God have to leave. He got living righteously. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. Hey, this is starting to sound familiar. He trusted in the Lord. Tough when there's a dirty great big army outside. And then a bit later, having got right with God, having trusted in him, this guy Sennacherib started sending him letters, as I described, telling him just what he was going to do to Hezekiah and the children of Israel. What did Hezekiah do when he received the letter? Did he embrace the dialogue? No. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord And he spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. This is starting to sound familiar. He honored God. He prayed, and he prayed in faith. And you can read the rest of the story in your own time about how God delivered him and his people from that army around him. So I think if we can just grasp, as Hezekiah did, that when you take that authority that is given to you, an authority that is recognized in the spiritual realm, and you deploy it, God will do the rest. But we have to recognize those external interventions when they come, and then we have to respond in the way that God has equipped us and guided us to respond. He will do the rest. I am incredibly grateful to that man who introduced me to that teaching, who then helped equip me with the spiritual discipline so that I could go out and live my life with my family equipped with this knowledge. 
So for more years than I care to remember now, what it looks like for me is, when I rise in the morning, I take a drink to fire up this slowing down body of mine, get me ready for the day. I take some food to keep the process going. But it's not finished because I'm not prepared for the day. I want to equip myself and my family spiritually because I don't know when the interventions are going to come and I don't know whether I'll recognize them. I just know I won't if I do it in my own strength. But I have a reassurance from the book in Ephesians. I have a reassurance because the one thing I do know is that I don't want to be dependent on my own strength because I know what happens. But what I can do is do what Jesus did when he got tempted. He didn't embrace the conversation. He simply said, if you remember, it is written. It is written. It is written. Every day before I open the door of my front door, the door of my house, whatever it is, I can speak in authority and confidence and by name over my family that Jesus has given Jane and I and James and Katie authority to overcome every power the enemy has. Authority speaks to power. Luke 10, 19. And given that we're in that season of our life when our family seems to be growing and God has brought Jesse into James's life and Rick into Katie's life, I can speak with authority from 2 Corinthians 1.21, every day. It is God himself who enables Jane and I and James and Jesse and Rick and Katie to stand, does it sound familiar, firm in Christ. For he himself has anointed each one of us personally, thus setting his seal of ownership upon us by placing his own spirit in our hearts which is the guarantee of what is to come, our full inheritance. So my prayer and hope for you guys this morning is that you will take this valuable teaching, you'll work out what it means for you and your families, and you will go out equipped to lead a fulfilled life in the world that you find. God bless you. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.saintsaviorsunbury.org.uk.